We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hell, coming at you from Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Dre, it was one hell of a weekend. Yeah. Wild boxing weekend. There was also MMA, which we'll talk about on our next show. But uh, boxing took over the world. We, ESPN, we had a Sinesa Estrada fight. That was really cool. I didn't see that. You didn't see it. I watched it later. <laughs> it was all right. Like, right. There was some, the card was actually really good. Sure, sure, great. Like, Nova uh, hit an uppercut. The shit was wild. Yeah, it was but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we were at Seinfeld. We're going to talk about that in a second. But on Saturday, Spence Crawford, everything around that, the card wasn't bad either. No. The atmosphere was great. I just thought that card couldn't have went off any better than it did. We'll talk front to back. I guess, what, we left off like Thursday last week? on fight week. So we'll go through our entire weeks and then wrap it up talking about the fight and then previewing Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, which is crazy. Cause now at like work and on the pod, we have to just switch our minds over. It's like, yo, yeah, this pay-per-view fight is happening again this week. Yeah. Back to back pay-per-view weekends. And that's a whole different spectacle of a fight. And you'll be there. Yeah. I'm leaving tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, Getting on a flight early in the morning. It's, it's hard to switch my brain to what I just saw this weekend to Jake Paul and Nate Diaz and listen to him. This is the biggest fight of the year. It's like, nah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's the wrong weekend to claim that. Like, you can, okay, promoters do that, right? Sure. Like they they but, say this shit, but like, not after last week. Nah, not after, not after what I just saw. The good, no. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you are not following what I just saw to Terrence Crawford this weekend. I don't care what you do. You have to knock a motherfucker out of the ring like the old video game Ring King. You <laughs> uppercut him and they go flying out of the ring into the crowd. That's the only way. And even then, I'll be like, eh. Yeah, that's his to- resume. Exactly. It's Nate Diaz. Who cares? But no. It's, it's going to be fun talking about this. Let's start with our week. So Thursday, there's the presser. There was the presser. We're at the presser. Yeah. The presser, and we touched on this a little bit on our show last week, Terrence Crawford going back and forth with Team Errol Spence, not even Errol Spence. No. And we're like, yo, the, the Nebraska came out of butt a little bit. Oh, yeah. 
that 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 little bit of that hood angst came out of butt. And then we go to Friday, which we have the weigh-ins. This is where I knew Spence done fucked up. Bud comes out, rapping every lyric to Mr. Carter mm-hmm. while walking on stage. Yeah, they let this motherfucker go a verse and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's way too calm. <laughs> he's just the biggest fight of his life. Never know it. He knew something everyone else didn't. And he's out there just rapping, chilling, smiling, having fun. It was the epitome of confidence leading into that. And like I said on the show last week, when you're splitting hairs, the weight cut for Arrow is tough. He ain't dancing like Bud is dancing. This ain't an easy weight cut. Man doesn't want to be under 160, let alone 147. And then there's other shit that Errol has done where, you know, the, the body, when you're at this high a level, that shit matters. I don't think anything mattered. I don't think none of this shit mattered. Nothing. They fight five years ago. No. Doesn't matter. Same. After what I just saw on Saturday night, no, nope, nope. I we'll get to the fight. Yeah, in detail. We'll get into that in detail in, in, in a minute. But what I when I saw there was two things that happened. I actually put it on Instagram later. At the media day, he was rapping Tupac so many tears. Yes. And then on Friday, he's rapping Mr. Carter, and I'm like, oh no, like <laughs> <laughs> because. I stuck with my pick for so long, even though I was never truly confident in Errol Spence. I was just like, I got to pick somebody. And based off of the history, I said the pressure, his, his, his incremental adjustments, this, Terrence usually has a slow start picking Errol. The more I watched Bud, I was like, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> I just, uh, I, like, I just, I was like, you know what? They still got to fight. But I've just never seen a human being like Bud is built different. He is, he is built there is no fighter built like Terrence Crawford. His competitive nature for everything yeah. is off the charts. It's watching him was like, I've watched a lot of performative stuff at weigh-ins. I've watched a lot of performative stuff at media days, performative, even in interviews. It was, this was the most no-nonsense guy, like a man with a half an afro and barely a lineup. He just didn't care at all. But he had that, and again, this for years, years I've been saying this. Like, Bud is actually pretty funny, entertaining, and personable away from the cameras. Yeah, well. This is the first time people got a glimpse of that side of Bud. That, and that's why I say he's like, that's why I say he's different. It's because it reminds me of Marvin Hagler to a degree, where it was like, I'm not here to sell your fights. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to entertain you with your interviews. I'm not, I'm tired of you guys asking the same questions over and over again. I just want to fight. That's like the, per, like what he brings, like all this talk before the fight. Why are you asking me this? My favorite question all week was, is this your toughest opponent ever? I don't know. You guys keep saying it, but I just got to wait until we get in the ring. He was right. He ripped a guy for asking if it was the fight of his life. Oh, that was uh, Manu. Yeah. He asked Manu, Manu Kakopian from LA Times asked him that, and he was like, what? <laughs> like, but he answers, he, he never, the comp, it's, it, I can't really explain what this is. Like, I think about, I, I, throughout the week, and talking to, talking to Sean Porter on Friday also crystallized something. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. But it's like playing a game of Madden. Right? Like, I think I kind of talked about this last week. It's like, 
when you know you're that good and somebody's just talking and you're like, bro, I got so many plays. <laughs> like, I just, I, like, is this, oh, it, it, are, am I the best person you face? And it's like, bro, like, if I tell you, yeah, like, what, what difference do it make? Like, I know what I got. I know what you, what you don't have. And he knew what he had. And he sat on it. And he was just like, he dismissed anything that was like, this is going to be competitive. He was like, yeah, it's going to be a great fight. For somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be that guy. But, I, dude. Bo Mack was talking big shit. Bo Mack knew. T- like, I mean, Bo Mack knew. See, all right. We're going to get to Derek James, too, in a minute. Yeah. They, a lot of blame and a lot of uh, praise goes to trainers, right? Yeah. And I think they, the, the scales tip too far both ways. It's really up to the fighter. Yes, your trainer is important. People shitting on Derrick James. There's nothing Derrick James could have done. Nothing. What was he supposed to say? No, there's nothing. He can't fight for him. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is, it's like a head coach. If, if your running back ain't running, if your quarterback is throwing picks, you can't change what he's doing. You can change the scheme, but if his confidence is shot, it's over. Yeah. But and on the other side. There's nobody to hand the ball to here. Right. It's a one-man game. But on the other side, when a trainer does really well, like Eddie Reynoso with Canelo, they get all this praise. But then you. Terrence Crawford is Terrence Crawford. I'm not saying Bowden Mack's not a good trainer. I'm not saying Derrick James is a bad trainer. I just listened to a lot of people talk about these two trainers saying, like, this was going to be the X factor. It was never going to be the X factor. They set him up with a game plan. In the case of Errol Spence, Derrick James spots things that he doesn't see. For Bowden Mack, he kind of tells Terrence things, but Terrence, like Floyd, like kind of looks past his opponent. Yeah. He hears him. He's like, yeah, I got you, but I know what I'm doing. Like, it's a... This weird thing, but they both they would they talk big shit all week. After the weigh-in, we'll talk about Caleb Plant smacking the shit out of Jamal Charlo in a minute as well. <laughs> I forgot that shit happened. I know. This is a bad week for the Charlos. Oh, the Charlos ran into it. Bad week for the Charlos. Um, so I'm talking to Sean Porter, and some people may have saw the interview I did with Sean. And we played like Rock of Stock and Robots. He wouldn't pick a fighter, right? Like he refused. So Carissa, who was on the show last week. Jump, what, what, jump soaking? That's what we talked about last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she asked Sean, what's the best, what is the most underrated trait of both fighters? And she was like, Errol Spence is his poise. Like, his facial expression doesn't change. Like, no matter what happens, he's not rattled. And she was like, what's the, what about Terrence? She was like, I just don't know what he's thinking. I can't figure it. Like, um, it's scary. Because you're watching him, and you have no idea, like, if he's figured you out or like you have no idea. And he was like, at a certain point, I know he's coming. I just don't know when it is. And in that fight, it was like when it was, it was too late. I couldn't adjust. Yeah. He's the man. Avalanche. The man is just different. And I, I guess we just knew he was different. Um, then the rumblings that he was going to have Eminem walk him out. Yep. I was just like, Oh boy. As soon as I heard that. And I guess now I can talk about it. Like they came to me, like being at ESPN, and like, "Yo, we have this. This is what's happening." They set up like a whole social media like campaign yeah. around it. I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm down." It's like, "Hey, can you help out, Eminem?" I was like, "Yeah, Marshall." Yeah, I think I got time for that. So <laughs> put together stuff and like did little breadcrumb stuff for the walkouts, and then the walkout ended up being super dope as well. Uh, shout out to Royce. I saw Royce. Yeah, and Royce was here. I gave him back. shit. I gave him shit. Um, <laughs> that I guess I, I guess I'll talk about it too. Uh, after you told me, I. I got a phone call. I got a text message from Mr. Porter. If anybody knows Denon Porter, I've gone back with Denon for years. It was like, I'm in Vegas. And I'm like, it's, it's Thursday, Friday night. He's like, I'm, 
I'm, he's like, what did he text me? We're here. I was like, who? I knew who. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's sending me the emoji with the zipper mouth. Motherfucker, I know. Right? But he's like, he can't tell me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I kind of figured it out uh, that they were coming. And I was like, well, that's kind of a big deal. But the one thing that I did know, I don't want to, I'm not going to give too much of my conversation with them away, is that they had to be hidden yeah. all, for the, that day. They just couldn't risk being seen. I'm going to talk about the walkout briefly from what I think happened. People are like, why didn't Eminem rap him to the ring? When I produced the walkout uh, for Sean Porter's, both his walkouts with E, we were able to rehearse. We were able to go through it multiple t- times to make sure, because there's an echo in the arena. Yeah. And it's really hard to deal with. So we did it with Rhapsody a bunch of times. Um, I remember the first time when E walked Sean out for the Arrow fight, and I think Anthony Durrell was on the other card, and um, John Connor walked him out. They had to do it multiple times because that echo was crazy. My assumption for people who kept asking, why didn't Eminem rap Lose Yourself, is that they had to be hidden, which meant they couldn't go to the arena so there was no chance of them rehearsing, and there's no way in hell Eminem's going to embarrass himself no. doing a walkout. That's what I think happened. Nobody's told me that, but just judging from the conversations I had with their crew, knowing that they couldn't show up to the arena until the day of, like literally hours before uh, Bud walked out, I just know the perfectionist that Eminem is, there was just no way he was going to just do it over the loudspeaker and just hope that it sinks up. up. Yeah, Can't do that. Can't do that. But... All those things. And I'm I just thought like, it still damn. looked incredible. It did. It sounded incredible. Yeah, like, it's it, it's fucking Eminem. Yeah. Right? Like, it's Eminem. And then, yeah. So, yeah, I text Royce. And I was like, oh, you're here, too? He's like, man, I just... I was like, bro, I, you ain't got to tell me. All y'all here. Rosenberg's here. Uh, Mr. Porter. Royce was here. M's here. I'm like, damn. Wayne was here? Wayne? Nobody, Wayne, Wayne didn't even do the red carpet. He skipped all that shit. No. Wayne was locked in, though. Like, his face <laughs> the, when Bud drops <laughs> It's one of the best parts of the night. And, yeah, no, I'm going back to the way. And so after that, oh boy, Caleb Plant's in the back. Jamal Charlo's in the back. Next thing you know, a video shows up. Caleb Plant slaps the shit out of Jamal Charlo. Yep. Appears to be an inebriated Jamal Charlo. He's in a bad spot. I feel it's not great. No, I mean, look, Big Charlo was supposed to get a fight with Canelo. Yes. Ends up going to Little Charlo because of mental health issues. Whatever's going on in Jamal's life, they got to keep him inside. Right? Yeah. I'm just going to talk about what's out there. There's other stuff that I know. But I'm just going to talk about what we've seen. We saw Caleb smack Jamal. We knew there was something wrong when Jamal didn't even react. Right? He just kind of walked away. The other part of that video, which I'll talk about, which was shared by Terrence Crawford's sister. <laughs> apparently after that, I guess Jamal and Jamel's Girlfriend seemed got into an, an argument and apparently be of Jamal's behavior and they started fighting. And Terrence Crawford's sister whips out her phone and she's like, Look at these two motherfuckers fighting. I'm like, This is just not a good look. No, Jamel's wife. I think this is, I can't remember. She goes to the know. gym with have kids. Yeah, she goes but, to the gym with She has hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's what we saw. She has hands. That was one way traffic. Yeah, that was wrong. So bad for the other little girl. Yeah, but this is like the twin brothers. Yeah. Significant others are fighting. I mean, they don't train together. I get. There's just a lot twins, going. But there's like there's yeah. always been like a little separation. There has been. They both were changed, trained by Derrick James once upon a time, yeah. and then Jamal left. And it, from that point on, we always knew something was not right with Jamal. And now it's just like surface. Now the Caleb Plant smack happens, and from it's a good fight brewing there though. 
He's no. got to sell a fight. If if Jamal's going to fight. I, yeah, I don't know if the man comes back. Hopefully he takes care of himself. Um, the drinking probably isn't the way to go. It's just... Man. The other thing is, I always... I've, I said this for a while. Leave Caleb alone. Yeah. Like, people like to fuck with Caleb. And because um, he's white. He's from Tennessee. And they'll say, oh, you got your ass whooped by Dev, David Benavidez. You go fight him. Yep. Right? Like, that's usually my answer. It's like, you, you go fight them motherfucker. And he was tough as hell. Yeah, he, he lost to David Benavidez. He lost to Canelo. It's okay. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to circle it back to Errol in a little bit. David Benavides beat the hell out of Caleb Plant. Like, he beat him bad. He's fine. Yep. Caleb will fight again. He'll win again. He'll get back in the winning, his winning ways. He may not be an undisputed champion, but he's good. He's fine. Gotta leave Caleb alone. And that's why Jamal got smacked. <laughs> Messing around with Caleb Plant, you just don't. You just don't. And I, I felt bad because I know Caleb and I know Jordan. And I know the baby was there. And that shit happened with the baby there. So I was like, it's not, I think the baby was there. Jordan doesn't really move without that baby. It's just not a good look. And then Caleb's like going through uh, the Derrick James camp and they're all talking. And somehow, some way, we're back in the media room. I'm getting ready. This is right before I talk to Sean Porter. Jamel comes into the media room and like the PBC crew's there. And it, this, that's when we find out there was an altercation that happened. And uh, all I keep hearing from other people is like, Bud is mad. I keep hearing like, Terrence is mad. And I was like, an arrow? And I was like, no. Like, you just don't fuck with them Charlos. And I don't know if that situation set him off, but it led to whatever happened on Saturday, Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just been annoyed with the Charlos. So the way in, like... The energy was there. They both had on black air forces. And I talked to Errol after that. And he was just like, he's copying my style. And I'm like, all right. And maybe he is. And, you know, Errol's confident. Before we get to the fight in the night, I'm tired of y'all trying to make excuses like there was something wrong with Errol Spence. There were so no. many people that continue to say he didn't look right. He didn't look right. But that's not. But he. this is how he singular, looks. Yeah, it's not a singular He's. Thing. He always looks tired. Like he always, he's he's a country boy from Texas. This is how he looks. I was with him before he fought Mikey Garcia. He looked like that then. That's that's what's worrying to me, right? Is that he has come out since after the crash and everything, and talked openly about some habits he has that was not good. Yeah, the habits before that he did very detrimental. Yeah. I then assumed after the car accident, after the eye surgery, those habits are gone. Maybe I'll see a, a more fleshed out face, uh, less sunken in eyes. Like, nah. no, kind of like, I'm not saying he has those habits still, but they've taken its toll on a man who's 33 years old, where now when he balloons up and wait in camp, he always has that belly. That like protrudes out and then comes back. Like it's just his physique has changed due to it. Like it's yeah. hurt his body. It just it had nothing to do with the fight. There there was nothing he could have done. Nothing. Nothing. No, there's levels to this. No, there's nothing. Like people were like, Oh, is he on drugs? I was like, No, man. No. He just got beat up. <laughs> yeah. Like when he gets to the fight, he just got beat up. Like I'm sorry. Like someone was like, Arrow's high all week. They're like, no, so. this is what and he looks even like. If he wants to smoke, like I've seen the Diaz brothers smoke before fights. People smoke before athletic activities all the time. That doesn't do. But he don't mean anything, dude. He was from all accounts. Everything that I've heard, he was just as prepared for this fight as any other Normal. fight. He always has a hard weight cut. 
He's big. Yeah. There's nothing different. And that's the that's the bigger key. Is like he always looks like this because of the weight cut. And I don't think that's good either. He probably should have moved up two years well, ago. Well, he said he waited two years ago. You got to give him credit. The man waited for Terrence. Yeah, he did. Like he told me two years two years ago. I saw him. Why was I at the Mandalay Bay? I don't remember. <laughs> I saw him at the Mandalay Bay, and I it was. I don't know if you remember me. Was the Mikey Gar? It was after you know after the Mikey Garcia fight, and I I was joking with him, and I was like, "Bro, how much do you weigh right now?" And he wouldn't tell me, and I was like, "Yo, like one eighty one. Like he was big. He was like clearly bigger than me. Like he was big, and he was like, you know, I'm just waiting, because at that point, Terrence was still across the street, but he wanted to be undisputed, and he didn't want to leave the division until he got all those belts. That was two years ago, yeah. right? This is before the accident." Credit right to him. after. No, no, no. Well, no, th- when I talked to him, it was Accident before. It happened as soon as I got to ESPN. Okay, so this was, this was, bo- damn, then it was that long ago. <laughs> yep. So he's been waiting this long. That's uh, right before the eye injury with Pacquiao. Yeah. He had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. He was like, I'm not leaving the weight class until I get these belts. Like, he was determined. And I think I saw him before the Daniel Jacobs fight. And he was like, I don't know how much longer I can wait. Yeah. Right. Like it was very clear, like this weight, like I'm older now. This is getting more and more difficult. But he was like, yo, I'm not going to leave this weight till I fight this man. So everybody was like, something's wrong with him. Yeah, the weight cut sucked, but it wouldn't have mattered. No. If he would have been, if this fight would have happened at 154 pounds, uh, it, it gave him a better chance, probably. Okay. He would have got knocked down the 11th. Sure. Like that. I mean, that's better. <laughs> there's really nothing, none of that shit matters. None of that shit matters. But anyway. Let's get to Saturday. Fight night. Oh, you're just giving over Seinfeld? I mean, we can talk about Seinfeld if you want to. We all meet up Friday night. Yeah. One pay- hell of a night. Payperview.com. Shout pay- out to Jenny. Payperview.com. Seinfeld here at the Caesars Palace. Seinfeld the GOAT. That shit was hilarious. I was very impressed with that man's stand-up. Yeah. That's honestly one of the funniest nights I've had in a long time. Between Seinfeld and, and some other reasons. And reverse rat pack. <laughs> That that night had me in tears. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> if Kel ever decides to tell you what else happened that night, that's on him. No. I just thought it was one of the most funniest things that I saw with me, Ryan, and Kel. Because what I witnessed that night was the epitome of, oh, shit. It was one of those. <laughs> like I was like, oh, my God. You're not... You don't see what's happening, <laughs> which is so crazy. Because as everyone like listens to the show knows, like I don't really hide much like about my life. Like regardless if I say it on the mic or if you catch me like out and about, um, my life is pretty much an open book. So in this regard, it was much of the same. It was like, all right, like we're all here, we're all having fun, everyone's great. Like I'm not hiding anything. You about talk my life. like people already know it. That's what happens. <laughs> that's that's why like most people do like i yeah i do i just hope saying, in, gen, in general like when you talk about things the reason why you're so open is like you speak very matter-of-factly about what you're doing and when it's happening that when somebody goes wait what yeah. or they just don't listen yeah and that's what was happening to ryan that night he just wasn't listening doesn't compute because yeah, I, I just i just move along like it's just a normal thing and yeah my day-to-day life and i just move along uh, yeah, but the the shock on Ryan McKinnell's face, like when shit clicked in, is like the funniest thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was an in- incredible night. I mean, I had a great weekend all all throughout. Like I had amazingly fun times. 
Um, shout out to everyone who was with me um, this weekend, like not fight wise, keeping my head like sometimes you need that, that separation, like this super big fight weekend and we're going to the fight and we know the magnitude of it. And obviously we're not fighting, but covering it. These are the fights that really give us our platform who make us who we are in our jobs, where we do well, we do the extracurricular shit. We point out the black air force ones, there's stuff like the M&M stuff and all this stuff. It proves how valuable you are as a media person and an entity inside the industry. So like we had a lot going on. On yeah, both of our ends. You did a shitload. I did a shitload. Like, there's just a lot going on. So um, I had amazing balance this weekend. So, uh, yeah, thank you to uh, everyone who helped keep me balanced. It was, it was great. It was <laughs> extremely fun. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> it was an amazing week. You're really laughing at Ryan. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I am. No, it was great. Uh, my wife, amazing this weekend. So it was just, yeah, like, it was... Um, Really good. Who else do I have to shout? Everyone, I mean, it was fun. Everyone at the dinner was really fun. Oh, yeah, it was fun. Chopping up with everyone. Um, Brian Solomon for Channel 3. The champ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He won his boxing exhibition. Yeah, it was a, it was one of those rare nights. It One, again, shout out to pay-per-view.com. They do these dinners, and they're amazing. And they took us to Seinfeld, which was amazing. Yeah. But they invited the right people. 100%. Because I was Great like, crap. I kept looking around and I was like, Dan Canobio from, like, from CompuBox was there and he was working with pay-per-view. Uh, Morgan Campbell from... Ariel's in the house. Yeah, Helwani. I saw Helwani from in the in the media room and he was like, you're going to the pay-per-view dinner? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'll see you there. And I saw him maybe 10 minutes later and he he got out of that suit and he was in that 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 sweat, that gigantic sweatshirt and them shorts and them yeah. dunks <laughs> like, in like five minutes. I was like, how did you do that? Saw Helwani like... Everybody went to this dinner, had a good time, saw Seinfeld, got to decompress uh, because we had a fucking night on Saturday night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
amazing night. So we go through Saturday. I had, um, nobody was mean enough for brunch. I cooked brunch. Yeah, we weren't mean enough for brunch. Yeah, I did steak and lobster tails. I did six lobster tails. Who the fuck eats six lobster tails? I don't know, not me. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, I can't even eat shellfish. Right. But everybody else, like the steaks, perfect. Um, my wife, Kelly, they came over, they ate. It was amazing. So we chilled. And then it was a full-ass day for me. And I was like, yo, got to cover the fight at like 5 o'clock. So left my crib at 5, got there at 5.30. Picked up the credentials, everything, walked in, place empty. I think Donaire is like in the ring at yeah. this point. I was like, damn, late arriving crowd again? Always. Like, they going to miss some good fights. The Donaire fight wasn't bad. No, but Donaire's, he looked every bit of 40. Yeah, he did. Then it's about... 6.30 at this point. Then the crowd starts funneling it. Then you start feeling the atmosphere. And then in the co-main was Isa Cruz. Oh, my God. What a bad fight that was. This was his spot. Yeah. It's like, yo, you've been waiting all this time. People want to see a rematch with Tank. They think you're in the mix mix of 135. He's not. Everyone. Ryan. Ryan's up at 140. Like, he's still coming. But Shakur, everybody's like, nah, this guy's food. Yeah, he is. He just threw a bunch of wide punches against like Against one, a guy who left his chin completely open, yeah. stood straight up and down. The left hand was there to land all day, and you couldn't do it? Giovanni talked bitch shit all weekend, but nobody really seen him fight. He's a student of Freddie Roach. And from the opening bell, who was sitting next to me? I can't remember. But I turned and was like, no, you were. But I was talking to somebody else. <laughs> and I was like, this oh, was Dan next long. to you at that? No, Adam Hill from the oh, region. And I was like, oh, this shit ain't going to be long. Because I was like, this dude's chin is up in the air. All he's got to do is connect. Couldn't cut off the ring. He was too short. It was just an awful fight. I want to rewind. Tank knocks him the hell out if they rematch. Yes. I want to rewind a bit. Because you got there at 530. I got there early because we had to, I had Chris doing the red carpet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about why the urban loitering was peak, but we didn't get to see it. So when this fight was announced, a convention had booked the MGM Convention Center, which is usually where we have the press conference and the media room. Yep. So instead of that, the, the media room was outside in a tent. It's 117,000 fucking degrees outside. <laughs> and it's the tent they use for the UFC for the post fight. Yeah. It was so fucking hot in that tent. This is where Radio Row was. Now, to get an understanding of how hot it is in Vegas, if you go outside, you die. That's the understanding. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Now, when the MGM hosts fights, if you stay in your hotel, you just take the elevator down. You come to the media room. Hey, right? Like if you're Bernard Hopkins, Oscar De La Hoya, celebrity, an entertainer, whoever. See everybody walking through. It's very easy to get to the media room. At T-Mobile, you have to go outside to go to this media tent. It's already hot in the media tent. You got to go into direct sunlight, which meant that a lot of people just didn't want to come to the media tent. It was too hot. And for us, because T-Mobile's not connected to a casino, we don't get to feel the urban loitering like we did with Pacquiao Mayweather yeah. or... Because that's right outside the media room. Like, literally. everyone, like, loiters there. Yes, everybody is indoors. By the blizzard ice cream. Yeah, and, yes, it's indoors. You go, you walk through the little midway, and then you're out there. You're in table games and everything else. Like, it's perfect. T-Mobile's not. You have to go out. As soon as the fight's over, you're outside. And everybody's yep. like, fuck this. It's too hot. So we didn't... People are going to ask, what was the urban loitering like? It was great, but you couldn't see it for very long because nobody was staying outside. So we had got there, and there was this, <laughs> this issue because Chris is on the red carpet, 
And we're trying to figure out what time people are coming because it's like, oh, you got to take your spot at the red carpet. And Chris is like, I ain't going out there. It's fucking two o'clock. It's like a hundred. It's literally 114 degrees outside. And they got like a tent, like a few fans blowing hot air. It's like everybody's going to die. Her phone kept overheating. That's how hot it was. Yeah, that's crazy. So as we approach five o'clock, they start telling, you know, I think Baller Alert was there. Um, the Shade Room was there. Like, it was a They're lot of black. Media. Yeah, it was a lot of media there. A lot of media. Um, and then people start showing up. So as we are inside, it's like you start seeing Shannon Sharp shows up. Stephen A. Smith was there. Andre 3K. He didn't do the red car, but he just showed up early. Just, I'm just like, what is he? Saw the hat. Yep. It was, people follow me on social media. Because I, I sat there and I was like, that's Andre 3000. And I think Adam was like, no, it's not. And I was like, nobody else will wear that hat. <laughs> right? It was sure enough. It yep. was him. Damian Lillard was a couple rows ahead of him. No earthquake, fluke. no fluke. Uh, I never saw Little Wayne come in, but dog, there was so many. Chris Brown was there. Yeah, Chris Brown pulled up. It was so many celebrities there. Yeah. Like, repeat. I can't wait to see how this does pay per view wise. But I doubt it does poorly. I don't think it does. No, like, but I don't think it did. But the buzz in that building. Rivaled some of the biggest fights I've ever seen. Yep. Like, it just, it felt so That big. fight would have been, atmosphere-wise, 10 times bigger if it was in the MGM Grand. Yeah, it would have felt. Arena. Yeah, it would have felt bigger. Felt 100 times. And my, I wouldn't have been in my seat for a while. I would have no. been walking around the casino just. And would have been able to rap. Because yeah. there's back rows. They would have gave him yeah. a suite in the MGM yep. and just come down and rap right around the basement and practice all fucking day if you want. Fun fact, I'll say it here. Eminem was staying here at the wind, like right over here by the studio. The reason why I know this is because Mr. Porter was like, I think I just saw your face on the screen in the studio. <laughs> and so he was like, he was sneak, they were sneaking in and he saw my face. And he was like, I was following you on Instagram. He's like, let me just text him. And that's, and he was like, just don't tell anybody. I was like, okay. But that's, that's, they were here. So yeah, they would have to go from the wind of the T-Mobile, which was like, it was too much, too much. They couldn't say the MGM. Yeah. Too, they would have been seen. Yeah. But yeah, the atmosphere would have just been that much better. But man, like I don't, y'all watch it on TV, and I know y'all like saw the cameras with the stars and all the fighters and the celebrities. But being in there, you could feel it. Once the main event hit, it was like, oh. okay, it's it's real. You could like that's what you can. There was a rumbling because there were still fans in the crowd. It wasn't like Mayweather McGregor where it was like too rich for everybody. No. They were like fans, but then they were like fight fans because this was always like a fight. Even though Mark Davis don't know shit about boxing, he was there, right? Yeah. Was I heard Jerry Jones was there too, uh, allegedly. And if he was there, there's that billions of dollars between two people, and then you just go through the list again: Shannon and and Stephen A. and Little Wayne and Damian Lillard and Royce and them, like all these people are at the fight. You could just feel it. Chance the Rapper was there early. Yep. Chance showed up. Vince, Vic Mensa was there. LeVar Arrington was there. Um, God, man. Anyone who can get a ticket was like, yo, I'm, I'm coming And through. it was a hot ticket. It was. According to Showtime, they normally don't have wait lists. They just, Espinosa kind of figures out, all right, these celebrities are coming. They had to wait list people. Because so many people asked for tickets to this fight. It's huge. Yeah, ginormous. And it's it shows that Yo, these fights are there, and if you make the best versus the best, you don't have to do it every single time out. But if you do it somewhat regularly, people will come out to support. Yeah. Like, the, the sport is still alive and well if you give people the fights they want I mean, semi-regularly. Look, man, I know a lot of y'all, like, love UFC, too, but 
There's nothing like a big boxing match. UFC will never touch this. No. I mean, Fury Wilder coming to the that ring. That was big. Gave me like, it may be because this one I was media row, so we're a little bit like detached from the ring. Fury Wilder, I had to do the walk-ins and be on the apron. And the goosebumps I felt were just insane. I'm recording and like I got to like steady my hand, obviously, like to record the action in the ring. But when in between rounds, I have to like edit video and send it back on Slack so people can like help me post it. And my hands are just shaking on the apron. And it's so hard. I couldn't even text words. I just had to attach the video because my hands were shaking so much. So especially Fury Wilder 3 where there was knockdowns in both ways and I didn't know what the hell was going on. It's the greatest fight I've ever seen in my life. That, that was... Because I was just insanely close and it was back and forth. And it was... I'm glad you brought up that fight because I'm going to reference that as we talk about this fight. Yeah, this, this fight though coming out I'm sneaky glad they did the coin flip. Yeah. Because say what you want, splits and arrogance, 64, how much he gave Bud and he gave more, Bud more money and all this stuff. This was Bud's fight. Yeah. As soon as they showed the package on the screen, who's here for Errol Spence? <sighs> who's here for Bud Crawford? <sighs> the crowd goes nuts. It was 75-25 Bud fans. The picks in the media. We're skewed like 80-20 for Bud. The walkouts, even though I know Terrence is, or uh, Errol is like super Texas. Big Texas. Yeah. yeah. So who do you have walking out? Uh, I forgot his name. Yeah, me too. Uh, I was just, I kept hoping it was Bun B. No, he did go old <laughs> school. That's where he fucked up. Yeah. But so he has one of these young Texas whippersnappers walk him out, which is cool. And then Crawford coming out second, it's like, and he brings Eminem out, and no one really knows about it. And it's lose yourself. Right. And M hypes him up crazy, the next undisputed welterweight champ. And it was just like, oh, my God, yeah, this this is his moment. My man had a fish-catching net thrown into his <laughs> Into his road. gear. Onto his shorts. Yeah. Fought the entire fight with a fish net. This, this oh, my God. Like, Terrence Crawford is insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So we get to the fight. Y'all seen it by now. Of course. They wouldn't be listening if they didn't. It is one of the single greatest performances by a fighter that I've ever seen. Ever. Because of the quality of the opponent that he was fighting. The only thing that comes close is what Floyd Mayweather did to Diego Corrales. Okay. Another fight that can be in this conversation is what Bernard Hopkins did to Tito Trinidad. I can't think. Fury Wilder, too, was very impressive. Not, not like this. He ran through Deontay Wilder. But it wasn't like not this. Not too silly. It wasn't like this. They blamed the suit. I know. But it wasn't <laughs> it was so bad. But, but see, there's a difference between just knocking somebody out and then torturing a man for nine rounds. Like, and again, Deontay... We knew Deontay was flawed, right? We knew there was things like he, the first fight, if he didn't knock down Fury all those times, would have lost. That's why a lot of people picked Fury in the rematch. We had seen them in the ring together. Yes. We had never seen Errol Spence change a facial expression in a fight. He had been dominant. Even in the split decision to Sean Porter, he never lost control. No. He just dealt with a very, very game Sean Porter that night. Excuse me. And what we thought was, 
This is a 50-50 fight. It's a coin flip. Two undefeated fighters. Spence is a little bit younger. He's been in a career welterweight. Terrence is moving up. Has lesser opposition, but he's been a dog in the ring. It's hard to figure this fight out. And I feel like nobody really knew. Like, people were making their picks, but, like, nobody really knew. Nobody, nobody, fucking nobody knew this. What actually ended up happening, nobody could have predicted that. There was, I had made my pick, and I've said it a billion times. I made my pick based on Spence's pressure and things of that nature, and Terrence getting off to a slow start normally and picking up the pace. And the one key thing I said last week, I said to Sean, I said it on this podcast, it's on every show. I said, if Terrence turns it up and Arrow weathers the storm, he can win this fight. That didn't happen. No, no one weathers that storm. But this storm happened. How far can you avoid the storm? This storm happened so fast that Errol Spence starts the first round using the jab. Solid first. It's a normal Errol round. Yeah. Bud's moving around the ring, looking at him, doing what Bud does. I don't like the term downloading information because that's not what he was doing. No. Because he was, there was no downloading because there wasn't no long period of time he was trying to figure this out. What he was doing is like the Madden is like, what are you going to run for your first three plays? Let me see. Just show them to me. All right. Three and out for you, and let's go. That second round happens. Errol's winning the round. Mm. He's winning the round. Bud didn't do anything for 90 seconds. He didn't do anything. Sure. He hits him with an uppercut. They clinch, and Bud moves him. I looked at Adam Hill. I said, oh, shit. This motherfucker is strong. Yeah. He lands that combination and drops Errol. The fight is, le- is legitimately over from this point. The crowd loses their mind. And you saw that in the first round. Like, if you go back and watch the fight, he's, because he says as much after the fight, a lot of it's about the jab, right? Yep. And he's like, okay. And it looks like he's just gauging the distance, almost letting Errol touch him to see, like, okay, what's the range? But he realizes halfway through the first round, yo, he's throwing body punches with the jab. Mm-hmm. And doing that southpaw for southpaw, which is something else, People on Twitter, shout out to them. I forgot, but several people did it. Pointed out, Errol leaves himself open versus Southpaws a great deal more than he does against Orthodox fighters. So, Errol getting that full extension to the body, Terrence was just like, is he really going to do this and just be okay with pulling back? Because he's throwing the jab with his right hand, the left hand's all the way back, and he leaves the whole right side open. And Bud's just like, okay. And you see him throwing like a little stupid rangefinder jab every time Arrow goes to the body, just in return. Most people drop both hands to like protect the body. Butter was just eating him, tapping him with the with his own little jab. Because he knew, yo, if this jab can kind of connect, that means if I turn over on this left hand, it's definitely landing. And then second round, he waits. For 90 seconds until Errol throws the body punch again, the jab, straight jab to the body. And instead of throwing a pity pat jab out, he comes with the left hand. And you know it's crazy because the left hand misses the temple, misses the ear, hits him in the back of the ear. That's how much range Terrence knew he could even close. He overextends, still knocks his ass to the ground. Had him all wobbly, and it's over. Because as soon as Terrence Crawford has someone hurt, it is over. 
your chance is not getting hurt. Case in point, we talked to Sean Porter independently together and everything. Sean fought such a good fight that he didn't get hurt. Yep. Until ninth round? Yeah. Until ninth round. He gets hurt. It's over. Because Bud never stops. Once you're hurt, there's no recuperating. Mean Machine hurts Bud a little bit. Early in their fight, Bud takes, you know, downloads information. Hurts Mean Machine in the sixth. He's out of here by the eighth. Yep. Some people he hurts in the first. You're out of here by the third. Like, as soon as he hurts you, you're, you're the hunted now. He's a lion. It's, it's over. As soon as you're compromised, it's the beginning of the end. You don't escape it. So once Errol goes down in the second, I was like, oh, well, this is the end of the fight. There is no coming back. There is no, no recuperating. This guy is on you. And if you're not 100% clear in your head and your movements, there's no escaping it. No, nah, man. Like watching a Mike Myers movie. It don't got to be fast. Yeah, no, it's... it's one slice. You can't run. He is going to walk you down. I liken it to pushing a boulder up a mountain. Once it gets to the other side of the mountain, it just starts going down. You can't stop it. Yeah. It's just, it's an avalanche. I tweeted it. It's an av- the avalanche is, is coming. It's here now. Because once he has you figured out, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And Errol tried his best to fight it off. He tried. But he was cooked. He was cooked five minutes and 30. What was the knockdown? Knockdown was about 10 seconds left in the round. Five minutes, about 50 seconds into the fight. It was over. There's nothing Derrick James could do to save him. And Bud knew it. Bud knew it. Everything he did worked. Two knockdowns in the seventh. We'll talk about one of the knockdowns in a moment here. Uh, and then he just tortures him in the eighth. And it felt like he carried him just a little bit. And then put more piles on him in the ninth. Ninth round TKO. New undisputed champion. Two division undisputed champion. Number one pound for pound thing. In a way, it was fun while you were here. You got four days out of this shit. It was cool. I said, I was like, man. You didn't get four days for us. We revoted on, on Sunday. Yeah, 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 we did too. It was like three days. Yeah. New number one pound for pound fighter in the world. It's not even close. Um, I can't think of another performance. Like, seriously. Two top five pound for pound fighters. This doesn't happen. One way traffic. It, it just doesn't happen. Pound for pound fighters don't fight, first of all. War fought Kovalev the first time. It was damn near a draw, right? War got dropped in yeah. that fight and fought his way back into it. I thought it. that was the difference. Right? Like, <laughs> I thought he lost. Super close fight. Yeah. Uh, you're just going down the list. Then he comes down and stops him, though. And then Canelo, Triple G. Yep. Two. One. Both. Super close fights. Floyd, <laughs> Floyd didn't fight anybody. It was a top five pound for pound guy. So you can't really count him, but his best performance was Diego Corrales. And a lot of people thought Diego, myself included, was the last time I ever thought Floyd might lose a fight. He tortured that man, but he wasn't as good as Errol. Errol got three belts. I got to start with this. People keep discrediting Errol. Errol got three belts the hard way. He didn't go collect them off of one man. He beat every single person that had a belt. And he pummeled them, beat them all to get those three belts. He didn't get them by happenstance. Ugas beat Manny Pacquiao. That was supposed to be the guy that Errol was going to beat. Errol beat Sean Porter. Errol beat Kell Brook. He got those belts the hard way. He beat Danny Garcia, who was a former champion. And Terrence just came like none of that shit mattered. 
<laughs> and going back to the conversation, you say he's my toughest opponent. We'll just have to see when we get in the ring. I, I've never been so happy to be wrong because I've, I've just, this is a generational talent. Yeah. I wrote a story. If he's the greatest Walter Roy of all time. And I'm like, people are like, too soon. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just asking this question. Because yeah. it is too soon. Because he could lose his next fight. And we won't be talking about this anymore. But as of right now, in the Wells division, he's 8-0 with 8 knockouts. The next fight is probably at 154. So I think you, that, that he question might be still done. remains. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this shakes out. Depends on the timing. And we'll get to the who he should be fighting next in a minute. Because we'll talk about the seventh round knockdown. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about fighters that are wired different, that are dominant, that are just brilliant and beautiful in the ring. It's Terrence Crawford. I don't know that people were arguing about this on Twitter, and I was like, this is actually a legitimate argument. I don't know what a 47-pound Floyd Mayweather does with Terrence Crawford. I'm not saying he loses or wins. It's a different fight that Floyd's never had to deal with. He's never had to deal with a point like that. I posted that question today. It went crazy. Everyone's been posting the same question. Yeah, everybody's asked that question. He's so hard to hit that it's one of those things where, again, the only way to beat Bud is to not get hurt. Floyd is the best at not getting hurt. It's one of those things where I think he can just be, people say it's boring. People say he's running. I think he can do that for long enough to pull out a decision win. He ain't hurting Bud. I, I just don't know. I don't know because would have been fun. Because at forty seven, I think Floyd's twelve and zero with three knockouts at one hundred forty seven pounds. He beat Shane when Shane was over the hill. He just beat Margarito. He beat Victor Ortiz. Nobody cares. Robert Guerrero was undefeated, but yeah, whatever. Manny Pacquiao was not Manny Pacquiao. Andre Berto, who gives a fuck? Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez, way too small. So who did he beat at forty seven? That was like Marcos Maidana. Twice. And, you know, the first time, my Don touched him a little bit. I always felt like Floyd allowed that fight yeah. to be what it was. Miguel Cotto. Wait, was that 47 54? 54, I believe. I think it was a catch weight. But Terrence is different. What Terrence does that Floyd has, has not had to deal with, and this is why I just say it would be interesting to see, is a fight who adjusts in the middle of a round. Not at the end of the round. Not after he has sit on the stool. Terrence adjusts when he sees it, which is what Floyd does, which is what I say all great fighters do. Not, not great. Elite. Legendary fighters do this. Andre Ward did it. Floyd Mayweather did it. Manny Pacquiao didn't adjust. He was just really hard to keep up with. Yep. Terrence does that. Terrence is like, all right, I figured this out. And then when he does, he just beats the hell out of you with it. I don't know, like, if... Terrence Crawford decides to stay at 47. Let's just say he fought Boots. I see there's no value in him fighting Boots. There's none. Boots needs to go beat up somebody. Please. Keith Thurman. Um, Thurman's been talking big shit this whole he, fight. He week. has, but, bro, you don't want that. You don't want that fight with Terrence. Not after this long layoff. Nope. You got to go get you somebody else. And if it's Boots, you're going to get your ass beat. Uh, yeah, Cotto was not at 47. I was at 54. Yeah. It's... I mean, Marquez, Victor Ortiz, you named everyone. It's not, it's, it's not great at 47. That's like my, no, my thing. His best fights in that window were De La Hoya. Um, Ricky Hatton's still his best 147 opponent and win. 
in my opinion. So Ricky Hatton's probably the, the biggest name. But De La Hoya, Cotto, and Canelo are all at 54, so it's, it's tough. Yeah, so, at, so when we talk about welterweights, so the best welterweights that we've seen, got to eliminate people like Kid Gavilan, and you got to eliminate, because we didn't see enough Sugar Ray Robertson at welterweight. There's not enough tape on Carlos Baldemir. Yeah, okay. Uh, Zab Judah. So Zab. Zab, was, Zab had already gotten beat by Kasazu. Zab wasn't, Zab was best at 35. Yeah, but Zab and Ricky Hatton are his two best wins at 47. It's not great. It's not great. At 47, it's not great. They do not amount to beating Errol Spence. No. So you have Sugar Ray Leonard is the epitome of welterweights. Yes. And he he explained that he lost at 47. Yeah, and he lost to to Duran, came back, beat him. Yeah. But he came from behind to beat Tommy Hearns, stopped him late. He fought and he fought uh, Rufredo Benitez at, at 47. But he's the epitome of like great welterweights. And he has a loss. And a very close fight. Yeah. But he stopped every single opponent at 47. The only problem is, is the resume isn't that strong. He has stopped them. It's fine. <laughs> just, my just, point is... Uh, judges could have went home made a sandwich. I agree. The problem is, is that the, what makes this a difficult case for Bud is that the people that he beat, if they become great, after they be, then it looks better. Tommy yeah. Hearns was still great, right? Even when he lost Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran wasn't as great, but he was still great. Roberto Benitez wasn't as great, but he was still great. Like, we don't know how good, like, we know Errol Spence was good. But if Errol Spence, it's like when Jordan would be somebody. And, like, did he prevent people from getting championships or did he fight, did he play plumbers, right? Yeah. Like, so that's the argument people had. But, like, you go back and look at highlights and Charles Barkley, no, Charles Barkley was legit. Yep. Right? We got to find out if Arrow was, like, legit like Tommy Hearns was legit. Oh, yeah, I think. I mean, the, the man beat every other top welterweight. No, but I'm saying, like, Tommy Hearns was legit. Like, even after he lost, he just he beat the fuck out of people. That's just how good Tommy Hearns was. Like, and Sugar Ray Leonard was losing that fight. And came back and won. And Tommy Hearns is obviously a Hall of Famer. We don't know yet. We know this is a good win. We know this is one of the best performances we've ever seen against another pound for pound fighter. Errol's not going to have a chance to add to his resume going forward. I don't think. I, see, I don't know. Because if he goes to 54, right? But is there. <laughs> Wait, he's a boogeyman. At the, it, you got to go to 60. It sucks. Like, this is this, this scenario. One, I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith that he should retire. I'm going. I'm pivoting back to my Caleb Plant getting his ass beat by David Benavides. Yeah. He got his shit kicked in by David Benavides. He's fine. Yeah, he's gonna fight. Again. Wilder's my best case for that. I mean, like Wilder. You know took who my ass whoopings to Tyson Fury? He's probably still the second best heavyweight. You know who my my biggest case study is? Miguel Cotto. Yeah. Antonio Margarito Margarito beat the fuck out of Miguel Cotto that night. That his corner was like, he's gonna die, dude. Like. And he still became a world champion again. I'm not concerned with Errol Spence needing to retire. Steve A. Smith also said he didn't see enough Shakur Stevenson to place him in power front. He's on your fucking network. Anyway. I'm, I'm trying, like, I, I can't say he's the greatest welterweight all time. I'm all my, my, the point of the article was, we can have this conversation. After what I just saw, because the one person that can compare Terrence Crawford to, and enough, not enough people saw him, was Donald Curry. Donald Curry came up in the 80s, beat Marvin Starling twice, and he was like, he was a pound for pound guy. He was the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. He was 20 and oh, 25 and 0 with 20 knockouts. He was a perennial knockout threat. And then uh, and he lost to Hunnigan 
and he was a fucking huge underdog, and it derailed everything. And now nobody talks about Donald Curry. That could happen to Terrence Crawford. Happened to Roy Jones. Yeah. It. I don't think different. it'll. I don't think it'll happen, but it can happen. Which is why you can't really have these conversations until somebody retires. Because then you take the totality of their career and we go, okay, let's stack it up against somebody else. That's why when everybody keeps talking about LeBron, it's like, he's not done, no. right? He can add to his legacy, but the hard part is, is Jordan 6-0 with six NBA Finals MVPs. Yeah. Like, that's what makes not it difficult. sure you're adding rings. He can add stats. Like, he's now the best scorer Yeah, like, you can add these things yeah. that make your argument more compelling. He can be a top five assist guy. Like, but, shit like that makes it very... But the high fashion. degree of difficulty of continuing to win... It's the hardest part. ...puts you behind the eight ball. So I don't know where Terrence Crawford will end up. I just know right now, he's the, the best fighter of the generation. Wow. Floyd's gone. He's the best fighter of this generation. Is he better than Tyson Fury? Yes. Tyson Fury beat Klitschko for all the belts except one. When he's, Klitschko was Klitschko. No, he's better than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury came back and beat Wilder. He's better than Tyson Fury. Twice. Better than Tyson Fury. It's tough. No, it's not. It's not. Tyson Fury is great, but he has a significant size advantage against just about everybody he fights. It's an unfortunate thing when you're in heavyweight and you're that big. Yeah, but we're not talking pound for pound. We're talking. No, I'm just saying the best fighter of the generation. Tyson Fury is probably has a name in there. He's not better than Terrence Crawford. Like you just said, Terrence Crawford went to a new weight class, went eight and oh with eight knockouts. Oh, yeah, the man is thing. undisputed in two different weight classes. Now, it's happened before, just not in the four-belt era. We can argue about these belts, sanctioned by us. Who gives a fuck? But you can also argue that he's the lineal champion in three weight classes. Yeah. Right? This man started at 35, 40, 47. Hasn't lost, and has just gotten better. There's nobody that comes close to him right now. He's right now, right now. And I feel like, in a way, is in this weird spot where now he's in Terrence Crawford's spot. Because in a way, it's beating a bunch of really good people like Terrence Crawford did. But now that Terrence Crawford beats somebody who's pound for pound, now you can't touch him. Yeah. Until in a way beats somebody that's on that level, he's not going to pass Terrence Crawford. What sucks is that there's no one. That's what happened to Terrence Crawford. Close. Early, right now. <laughs> early in this podcast, we had the same conversation about Terrence Crawford. How good can he be? He's stuck on the wrong side of the street. Yep. He was stuck. And I know Pop Barham is sick. But this is your fault, bro. You could have had him fight Pacquiao. Yeah, I you, think that that was the glaring mistake. You blew, like you blew it. You had him like career. You had a generational talent under your, your promotional umbrella. You allowed Manny Pacquiao to fight Keith Thurman, but not Terrence Crawford. Yeah, your your love of Manny, yeah, and letting him dictate no nope. right or wrong. You should have got Manny should have missed that. I talked to Freddie Rose this week, and this is another reason why I knew. Freddie was like, I was fine letting Manny fight Errol Spence. I was not fine with him fighting Terrence Crawford. And as a promoter, I understand you work for the fighter, but sometimes you got to be like, yo, this is the best fighter. Like, it's not even that. It's you, you got this older guy who is on his way out, right? Ends up leaving you anyway. Exactly. You have a, this generational talent right under, like, you see him. Why aren't you promoting him? I hope Shakur Stevenson doesn't fall into this the same trap that Bob Arum like he Bob Shakur's promotions get, leap and balance better than Arrow's ever will. For, but how far can it go? Like if you value somebody else above him, which you shouldn't, Shakur no. is your guy. Yeah. I think they treat him like that. But Terrence was your guy, and you didn't give him the Manny Pacquiao fight. 
Yeah, you you have, and and then you went on. You publicly said he's lost me money. Yeah, you publicly said all that you disparaged your own fighter, and now he goes out there and does this. Now you look like a dickhead. I think again, the Manny Pacquiao like misstep. That was the beginning and end because he did lose money in a lot of his fights. You had no one for him to fight. You didn't promote him necessarily. You, you didn't promote him. Yes, that was that was I can't say that was a one-sided street. He was promoted probably he was underpromoted for a long time. Um, but that's not I can't put the blame on um every, one solely person taking that blame. Uh and that's just off my experience of seeing shit. Like that was I mean look, poorly look, handled on on a lot of sides. I, I no this I, was perfectly handled in terms of promotion and it felt like a big fight. Um Bud came out of his shell. I think it was handled very good. And the magnitude of the fight overtook what was a very gentlemanly build-up. Yes. Two guys who don't have to rah-rah and all this shit. The difference with that and Shakur is Shakur has no problem. You've seen Shakur at every fight. If someone has a belt at 135, I don't care what the belt is. Yeah, he is there. He's talking shit. He's looking him in the eyes. He's touching the belt. He's doing all these things. Promoting Shakur there's differences and stuff changes and people change and stuff grows. And I've talked about it several times on this podcast, partnering with Jay Prince and him understanding these young black fighters and, and Bob trusting him to the degree that he does. And their partnership is something he didn't have when Bud was there. He didn't have that, which he probably could have when Floyd was there. Cause really he could have just leaned on Leonard and I mean, he could have leaned on Jay Prince has been around for a long time. Yes, but I don't know what changed, but now he is doing it. Whatever. Yeah. Old people do weird shit. I don't know. I don't know what changed with Bob. Old people do old shit. Um, but it seems like now, when you get people like Teofimo Lopez, they said they only push the black fighters. What a wild narrative this is for top rank. <laughs> what a boxing, right? But there, there's been a change. So I can't look at Teo and be like, you're wrong. Like, no, they do push the black fighters very well. They have someone who knows how to do it, and they let that person kind of run with it, and you get Quavo walking at people out, and you get people on higher platforms and in rap videos and yeah, cool. You, you, you get those things. Uh, Bud never had those. He was caught in a weird place where he wanted to be Bud and yeah. he wanted to just beat people up. Like we said, and then they just let him beat people up, which is not the right thing. No, but you, you, you have to promote him beyond that. Even if that's just what he wants to he do. He just needs to, he needed to fight Pacquiao. That's like, really, oh, it would have changed everything. That's, that's it. It that's, would have changed everything. That's it. But because he would have done this to Pacquiao back then. Yes. And his start would have been exponentially different. That's why with like a Shakur Stevenson, you put him in against Loma ASAP, whenever you want, whenever he wants, you put him and you do everything you can to try to get him a Devin Haney fight. You do everything you can to try to get him a fight, even right now with like a George Cambosis. You put him in with anyone who's been a former champ or who has a name. If there needs to be a tank fight made, you do that fight. You do not let stuff pass you by. And to Top Rank's credit, they really haven't been. Like, Teofimo's like, yo, I'm a star. I can beat Lomachenko. Here, kid. Yeah. Good they luck. Just, they just He won. Then he said, after a loss, yo, I'm a star. I can beat Josh Taylor. They said, well, here, kid. And they could have protected Josh Taylor. Like, the guy was on the speed champion for you. Like, here, kid, take a shot. Boom, he beats him. Like, they've grown better. To me, that was more of a Manny Pacquiao thing. 
Bob's relationship with Manny was drastically different than anyone else. Yes. And that was a flaw. Like you got too close as like a friendship relationship. Yeah, and you you, you de- didn't want to see him hurt. You diminished your your rising star because of it. Yeah. Nevertheless, let's talk about the future. Round seven. Terrence Crawford puts hands on their own drops. Yes. Terrence Crawford runs to the corner, grabs his nuts, points to Jamel Charlo and says, you're next. Yes. One. He also said, suck my something before yes. that, that I could not caption on the history and ringside. One. I have never seen a human being murdering another human being and turn to another human being. That's a threat and go, you're next. That motherfucker's a maniac. Some animation. Like this is. That's. That's whooping Krillin's ass made and that, telling Goku he's next. They should have made an NFT out of this and just <laughs> sold it, right? Make it art. Put it on my wall. It is my favorite thing from that from the fight. Because you're beating a man that people thought you were 50-50 with. You are, it's, it's up there with Floyd Mayweather giving predictions of like Monday Night Football when he was fighting. Eagles and Patriots. Eh, like do it in the middle of the fight. Yeah. He would do that shit. This is up there with that. But this is looking at your competition. Looking at a guy that you're not even in his weight class. After you knock down his friend, his yep. training partner, and telling him, you're next with a fucking smile. The whole time. The fight's not over across the ring. <laughs> you're not paying attention at all to the count, to Errol, you're not, you're to not, see how he's doing. I'm just it didn't t- matter. Listen, you're next. Like, it w- he got so much satisfaction. It was like when Dominic Cruz used to beat up Team Alpha Male. But Dominic Cruz didn't, wasn't really stopping people. Like, Terrence is beating the dog shit out of a man who we thought was super durable. And he looks at another man and says, like, you want some of this old man? Like, he, he did the Friday. Yeah. <laughs> when Debo uppercut Red yeah. and Red's dad came out? No. Yeah. <laughs> but Jamel couldn't say no because he's stuck out here. He's stuck out here. You And the bad part is Jamel was talking shit to Terrence, and Terrence heard him. He heard him from the ring, found him, and told him you're next. Now, Canelo's fucking up the game. I said from the beginning, Canelo should not be fighting Jamel Charlo. Here's why. Because the next fight should absolutely be Terrence Crawford and Jamel Charlo. Yes. I need Canelo to go twist an ankle. That's really big Charlo's fault. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's, all right. There's a couple of ways you can look at this. One, Canelo signs a deal with PBC. I don't know if they presented him options and he goes with the Charlos. But I keep I said it the day they made the fight. Why aren't you fighting David Benavidez? He's number one in the WBC. He's a two-time champion. He's undefeated. Why aren't you fighting him first? The longer you wait, the worse that fight's going to get for you. If he would have just took the fight now, we wouldn't have this conversation. Yeah. Because Jamel Charlo would be fighting Tim Zhu. That fight probably would have already happened. And the winner of that will be fighting Terrence Crawford. And if Jamel Charlo gets up for big fights like he normally does and finds a way to beat Tim Zhu... If he found a way to beat Tim Zhu and this interaction happens, you are looking at a completely different promotion for a pay-per-view that sells more. Does Tim Zhu step aside? I don't know. Like, if you have to guess. Because... No, Tim Zhu doesn't step aside. And he's fucking up the bag for everybody. He he is, but I, I don't think... It depends on how much they offer him. But the, the whole point is, the, it's this... All right. Y'all said this was too gentlemanly. Some of y'all was like, oh, they got on the there is no respect between Terrence Crawford and Jamel Charlo. Zero. You want to see, like, <laughs> the part of that Bud Crawford that came out of that press conference that was targeted to somebody that was around Errol's camp, you want to see that happen to another man that he's about to fight? 
make the fight with Jamel Charlo. I promise you, if if I need Canelo, somebody go trip Canelo. No, Canelo just needs to go in there, beat his ass. No, it, it, it hurts the fight. It hurts it. If Jamel gets beat up by Canelo, like, Jamel has to win. But the, here's there's two problems with this. One, Jamel moving up to 68 hurts the fact that he can come back down to 54. It's going to be tough. Two, if you lose badly to Canelo, it doesn't help the fight with Terrence. Nobody's going to say, oh, it's okay, you lost to Canelo. Nobody's going to say that. You lost. Yep. And if you go in your next fight and you're fighting Terrence Crawford, you'll be the underdog immediately. That's a murderer's row of fights. Right. That, like, there is nothing good is going to come out of this Canelo fight unless even if he wins, because Bud ain't going to 68. No. So they've messed up the bag. This, no. This, no, they messed it up. I think you get the Spence rematch. I think no, Charlo, nobody wants that. I don't. This is what's contractually obligated. I know, I know but <laughs> so, but it, it's one of those things where. But you can get out. Here's how you get out of this, if you want to. Terrence Crawford at the press conference. I asked both of them. I asked Errol, "You want the rematch? If it's at 47, he said, "No, I hope it's at 54." My first question to Terrence Crawford. Errol said he wants the rematch, but he wants it at 54. Terrence says, "Well, I'm in the hurt business. That's fine with me." Fucking savage. He's yeah. crazy. But he could think about it and say, nah, I actually want to fight at 47. And then Arrow could pass on the fight. Yeah. Right? That's the way to get out of it. Sure. And kind of they need to get out of this because Arrow running it back before the end of the year, one, shouldn't happen. It's too soon. Yeah, you're not going to get any better. No. You need to learn, maybe fight somebody else. Go fight Keith Thurman. Thank you. There's the fight you make. Arrow Spence and Keith Thurman early next year because Arrow needs some time to heal. Not physically, mentally, because he got beat up. Mm-hmm. So you make Errol Spence versus Keith Thurman. Sorry, Boots, you're on the outside looking in right now because 47 will eventually be yours, but let these older guys handle their business. Now, if you do that, Terrence oh, is Oh, that freedom. fight will be at 154. I mean, no, Spence and, Spence and Thurman will be at 54. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying that it, if, if Bud moves up, now the belts are free, and Boots can go collect them. Yeah. I, I see Terrence dropping one belt, so Boots can go fight for that one belt. There's no reason to drop all the belts yet. I mean, whatever he wants to yeah, do. No, I mean, belt. it doesn't matter. I'm just saying Canelo's fucking up the money right now. Yeah. Because the, the Terrence Crawford... But Canelo Jamel, is the money to PBC. So as, as, as great as Crawford is and Spence is, they're not Canelo earning potential. So they're like, if someone's going to fuck up the money, this guy's going to fuck up the money because he's making us the it most just, money. It, bro, it just fucking doesn't make sense. From the day I, this fight was made, I was like, I don't understand why somebody from 54 is fighting a guy that says 68. What does Terrence do if if Errol says, nah, and you take like a, a fight against... Tim Zoo. Bud's crazy enough to do it. He is. That's a it's lot of money crazy. in Australia. Bud just looks at the fight and goes, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried. If this is what I got to do, fine. If, if the Arrow rematch doesn't happen, it really shouldn't. Um, I know why people are saying it shouldn't happen, but I have different reasons. Here's an example I use. Wilder Fury. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted to rematch after two. Everybody's like, hey, I'm good. And then Fury and Wilder had a third fight, and it ended up being this epic encounter. The problem with this fight is it's not the same. Because, one, Errol Spence ain't built to give you as many excuses as Deontay Wilder did. He ain't going to tell you that his water got poisoned. He ain't going to tell you that there was an egg weight in the glove. He ain't going to tell you that my suit was too heavy. Errol's not going to do that. He's just an honorable man. He, like, yep. He's not going to hype up the rematch with a bunch of excuses why he lost. 
That's the reason why, one, why this the, it shouldn't happen. Two, Deontay Wilder had the bomb. He had a fucking, that's all you need is the right hand, right? Because yep. his technique's always been like somewhat trash. Arrow doesn't have that kind of arsenal, like that weapon. He has an arsenal, but he doesn't have a kill him shot. Because that's the only reason why Deontay Wilder stayed in the fight. Facts. So Arrow fighting Terrence again is just another round of torture because Terrence has already seen what you had. So to run it back that quick, it makes no sense. So Tim Zhu and Terrence Crawford, sure. Man, I, I'm serious. Somebody needs to go trip Canelo. <laughs> Canelo can wait. Canelo should be fighting David Benavidez. That's the fight that always should have happened. Yeah. And then he could have fought Charlo. But right now, I need Terrence and Jamel to get it. Like, Terrence and Jamel fight right now? Jamel's best thing he could do is try to keep it close against Canelo. Lose a close fight. I don't want the I don't want it to happen. And Terrence could wait for him. Because that's only September. You can wait and y'all run it in February. And you pay Tim Zoo. <laughs> like, yo, sure. Tim, steps aside. We'll give you the winner. Cause the only thing you got to get over in that is like, yo, there's no rematch clauses for Charlo or Canelo. Like, does everyone needs a rematch clause? Shit is ridiculous. It's stupid. So it's just like, yo, they're going to run it for all these titles. And you can force your way to be the mandatory, by the way. And be like, yo, it's not going to purse bid. No rematch. Boom, we're going to fight. And Tim Zhu, you're under our banner. Wait. And then we'll give you the winner, which is a bigger fight yeah. for you to go for undisputed. So it's like, that's that's the way to do it. And you give Charlo a little time to heal up after the Canelo fight. But that's a murderer's role for Charlo. Ah, man, I hate it. Like, it makes me look smarter because I hate oh, it when I to make my Charlo and 154 pound take look incredible when Terrence Crawford, a four year welterweight, goes up there and wrecks the two best people in the fucking division next year. And I'm like, so how good was 54? Granted, Terrence is great. I would pick Errol to be both of them too. I don't know. I don't know. I, I... I don't know. 54 is not as bad as 60. 60 is bad, too. 60 is now bad. 60 has been bad. Triple G. Canelo was there for a good amount of time. Uh, Boo Boo's there. Charlo's there. Boo just got there. He was at 54. Boo Boo's been at 60. He just got to 68. He, he, was only at, he only fought one fight at 60. I'm because that motherfucker don't fight. Exactly. So he was at 54. <laughs> like, 60 has uh, been a bad weight class. You had... Oh, you, you threw me off. Oh, you had, the, you had Charlo there. And someone else is there. I'm, I'm spacing like, on the other guy. Like Jamel Charlo. Got like five good people at 60. That, There's been like two good people. No. Tony Harrison is not like. Dude, dude, triple dude. G. Before all people this. People act like Tony Harrison is triple dude, G. Dude, Tony Harrison was a, he was a much better fighter. He was Jay, never triple G. J-Rock was there too. Erickson Lubin was there. That 54 is better than 60. J-Rock fell off a cliff. After what happened. Got knocked out. By who? Charlo. Thank you. So the point is, Jamel Charlo is a good fighter. The problem is he fights to the level of his competition. He is a good fighter. 54 is a better weight class. 60 is not a great weight. 60 is not, it has never been, it was always been thin. Because even when Triple G was winning all those titles, people complained about the level of competition. Martin Murray, David Lemieux, they're not great at 60. No, but 60 had three or four great champions. They just never fought each other. Charlo, Triple G, Canelo all held titles at that division at the same time. Charlo just got there. Big Charlo? Yes, he hasn't been there since Triple He's G and Canelo. held that belt four years. Because of what? Inactivity? Yeah. 
But he's held the belt. That's not just getting but what I'm saying. What Man's I'm, been there since 2019. But what I'm saying is... Triple 60, G's been there since 2017. 60 hasn't been good. 54 was better than 60. 60 when it was Triple G and it was Canelo. It was, disagree. There was like nobody that. else at 60. When Triple G was getting those titles, there was nobody else there. It's the reason why him and Canelo eventually fought. They should have fought each other, which, is, which sucks. Either more, way. More of them should have fought each other. Either way. The fight to make is those two because if Terrence Crawford becomes undisputed in three-way classes, now we're just now we're just looking at rarefied air. But until then, I will ask, where does this leave Al Heyman as a promoter before I guess we switch I mean, gears and talk about the fight this week? Yo, you can talk shit about Al Heyman all you want. The motherfucker's great. Makes money. Like, but there's a stat, I think maybe Dan Kenobi or somebody on, on Twitter pass it around. Um, where Al Heyman fighters versus historically Bob Arum top rank fighters, uh, I guess where you start your career. He's like four and thirty against people starting in top rank compared to people starting under Al Heyman in PBC. Four and thirty to the point of people are saying this is why they keep everything in house because once you step out of that box, these guys aren't what they looked like. So you go down, I mean, but there's a lot of Bud beating up people that finally came across. But Fury beating up Wilder, I guess. There's other matchups where you did cross the street, and these they just get worked. I think Shakur works whoever if you send somebody over. I mean, it's tough because Floyd was doing that too. Like Floyd, Floyd counted as a Bob Aaron fighter, so they were coming over, and I guess I mean how Heyman was under Floyd. It, It doesn't go back that far. No, because PBC just came to fruition. Not even a decade ago. Yeah. Their first fight was Keith Thurman and Adrian Broner on the same card. That yeah. was the first PBC card here in Vegas. Um, but as a promoter, like you, people could talk shit about Al, Al Heyman all they want and Showtime. I saw a lot of people talking shit about Espinosa. And at the beginning of the year, people was like, oh, you're not going to be able to deliver the two biggest fights. He did. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. He did, he did Tank Ryan and he did Bud and Spence. He... Espinosa and Heyman made those fights happen. Yeah. Got some more in the bag, too. Yeah, he's not done. (laughs) He stole Canelo. Yeah, we're literally about to do Canelo and Charlo, which is actually going to be a pretty big pay-per-view. It's Canelo. I am very excited because so many of his pay-per-views have been behind his own umbrella, and we don't know what those numbers are. We can agree that the marketing isn't probably up to the level of showtime. So for the first time in a long time. Caleb Plant. Yeah, we get to see what are the numbers. Yeah, we get to see the numbers, but we also get to see, like, Jamel, the Charlo brothers have had breakout star potential since they arrived on the scene. They looked the part, they talked the part. This is the first time that Jamel is going to get to really shine in the build up to the fight. Yeah. I don't know what's going to lead to because he's going to talk. Canelo's not going to give a fuck about any of that. Canelo's fully in boxing promoter mode as well. Speaking Eagles, payday, payday. Yeah. This build will be fun. Yes. And I think I think the tour is getting ready. To, they were waiting to get through with this fight, and they were like, we're going to get ready to start that promotional tour because that fight's only a month and a half away. Yep. Like, we're in August. That fight's at the end of September. We'll be here. That's a, that's we'll Be right here in Vegas. Ooh. But, yeah. Uh, reports, Devin Haney's going to fight here. Yeah. Him and Progress. Yep, and that'll be... October something? Yeah. 28th? 28th. Yeah. I'm earning another vacation in November. I've been looking up November <laughs> vacations already. Just looking at the boxing slate yeah, and the UFC slate going forward, 
I was like, oh, this November vacation is about to be crazy. I'm planning a full-ass vacation to Columbia already. Yeah. So uh, everybody in here won't see me in November for like a week. Your boy's going to be in Columbia chilling. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, Real quick, touching on the fight this weekend. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz. I'm having a really hard time getting up for this fight. It's like I fly in 12 hours and I'm just like, like, I'm just, it's too close. It's too close. And and what I just saw, like, you can't match that. No. And I guess like the audiences don't cross as much (laughs) as you would think. So it's not really going to crush their pay-per-view sales. Um, The zone announced that it'll be on ESPN plus pay-per-view as well. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) UFC fans are conditioned to buy stuff through e plus so that'll help the fight like a great deal so if you're diaz army or whatever and all this stuff they understand how to buy fights through e plus so that'll help the numbers a little bit jake paul's young teeny bobber kids will buy it however they want to buy it i I just it's too vastly different audience too soon like i saw i mean it's so the extremes for me culturally i just saw black excellence all through that arena this past weekend. Now I'm going to probably see Andrew fucking Tate's friends. Oh yeah. It won't be Andrew Tate, obviously, but his friends will yeah. be there for Jake. Paul. It's, it's like, yeah, I don't want to lump people in, but yeah, like it's probably a lot of those. Yeah. Um, the Jordan Peterson people. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, mm. <laughs> and it's going to be a bunch of 16 year olds. Yeah. I mean, look, man, 20 year olds, I'm sure I'll feel good by the time that the fight comes. I just, after what I just saw this week, it's coming down and I'm like, ah, I gotta get on this plane in 12 hours. It's like 110 degrees in Dallas. I'm not that fight threw a wet blanket all over this Jake Paul. And yes. Serrano's on and everyone's just like, I can't even breathe yet. Like, we're gonna still be talking about 10. Like, I'm gonna get to Dallas tomorrow. Yep. And as soon as I find a couple people that were here this week, the first thing we we're talking about is like, you, that damn Terrence Crawford. Right. <laughs> That's the first thing we're gonna talk about. Hands down. It's, I'm still posting about Crawford. I'm trying to like switch my brain over. I really can't. I can't justify like switching over to Jake Paul mode. I mean, there's still too much meat on the bone. It it was that special of a performance that we saw to Terrence Crawford that it overshadows everything going on. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. So heading to Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, it's really hard for me to say I'm excited. Like, who wins? Jake, come on. 
If anybody saw my buy the numbers video, we just put it out like I think late last week. Nate Diaz has won five decisions in his career. Five. Five. In his entire career. In MMA. Yeah. Uh four. My, my bad. Four. He has five knockouts in his career. Five. Five. And you're going to a strictly stand up fight now? All of his wins have come by submission. Unless he could put Jake Paul in a triangle, he's not winning this fight. <laughs> so I'd like to see it. It's just Here's what's going to happen. Jake Paul's going to stop Nate Diaz. He's not going to knock him out. No. The referee's going to step in. And then Nate Diaz can say, ah, you got in the fight because the referee jumped in. It's not a real fight. Why don't you come to my, you know, fuck. Yeah. That's what Nate's going to do. And people are going to go, Nate's a real fighter. It's a phenomenal impression. <laughs> but that's exactly what's going to happen. Unless Jake can knock him out cold. And, and Nate's only been knocked out twice. One by Dr. Stop, stop his with all, And the other one is because, uh, uh, it was a flying knee. No, it was a head kick. Oh, and, head kick. Uh, Josh Thompson head kicked him to hell, but he wasn't even knocked out. It was, it was the follow up after that. Jake Paul can't throw a kick, so you're probably not going to knock out Nate Diaz Cole, but you're probably going to get a referee to jump in and stop the fight, which gives Nate enough room to complain. And the Nate, the, the, the delusional Nate Diaz army that was right there when Leon Edwards was beating the brakes off me, lands one punch. It was like, he's a real champ. They're going to do the same shit. 100%. He's going to land one punch. And unfortunately, he's going to have boxing gloves on, so he can't point at him. So he's just going to stick the glove out at him. <laughs> he's and, definitely going to try to slap him. Yeah. Oh, he's going to definitely stock and slap him with the glove. And that's what the Nate fans are going to hang on to. But it's no, this Jake's fight. This and fight. then Amanda Serrano is going to beat the hell out of Heather Hardy. Yes. Like, there's no reason. Logically, Heather shouldn't be in this fight. No. You shouldn't be The only sanctioned. reason she's getting this fight is a payday. That's it. I feel bad for Heather, but I know she's been underpaid for so long. I want her to get paid. I just hope that she doesn't stand up too long. Like if you get her, take a knee. Quick, yeah, take a knee. That ain't going for. No, I'm not unless Amanda wants it to. No, I don't. I don't see why it would. Quick eight minute fight. Collect your check and yeah, then get out of here. Yeah, Jake and Nate, and we'll we'll see what what that goes. But I think you pinpoint it. I'm picking the exact same thing. Yeah. Like I, I just think the ref steps in and he's like, "See, this ain't real fighting. That's why I fight MMA." Yep. Blah blah blah, and then. We'll see what happens in the Tommy Fury KSI fight, which is now oh announced. KSI is not winning that. For October 14th? No, KSI. It's like he's bugging. I mean, Jake, you're going to fight after that yeah. as the loser's bracket. Yep. And Tommy's going to be, he, Tommy's going to finally, can I go fight real people now? And then no. you're like, no. You no, can't. you're going to wait. Yeah. And run it back with whoever yeah, wins. Hang, out, hang around here with these guys so they can catch up to you because you're not that good. No, no. They might give him one real fighter, like a real bottom. And then he'll lose and then he'll be like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. He can't afford to lose. Maybe he fights Rockman. Maybe, because Rockman looked terrible against Greg Hardy. Yeah. Greg Hardy was 1,800 pounds. It looked like Smash Bros when someone picks Donkey Kong. Yeah, it looked And, bad. like, you have Pikachu. Like, that's how big Hardy's. <laughs> that was ridiculous. So, we'll see. This all playing out. Boxing is one hell of a time. We'll recap Jake Paul and everything next week. We still have our MMA and pro wrestling shows to come later this week, so make sure you guys tune into all of those. We appreciate you all. It's been one hell of a week. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, Corner Podcast on TikTok and YouTube as well. Everyone here at Blue Wire Studios and the Wind Resort, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. So much more combat sports coming this week. Until next time, we're out. Peace.